With the healthcare sector being a bullseye for cyber attackers, how can the healthcare sector and the federal government work together to help minimize cyber risks? I'm Marian Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Charles Christian, Chairman of the Board at the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. CHIME is an association of healthcare CIOs and other health IT leaders, including CISOs. Chuck will be discussing ways for how the state of cybersecurity in the healthcare sector can be improved. So now, Chuck, I understand that CHIME believes that the federal government should be working with the healthcare sector to develop industry-specific standards for protecting health information from cybercriminals. What sorts of industry-specific standards could help the healthcare sector improve its cybersecurity the most? I think we all know that security is security, but healthcare is a little bit different. I think we found out over the course of you know the last several months, years, and with the various breaches that have occurred, that the cyber criminals actually view healthcare information to be more valuable than regular credit card information. And so, I think there's some specific things that we need to do and consider. And and I think really a lot of these will translate right into the you know the general sector. But there's some things that healthcare uh, needs to do them, themselves. I mean, one of the things that we've talked a lot about is the uh, ability of information sharing without risk. Is that means that so we can share. What's going on, what we've found, what we've not found related to specific risk or threats without the fear of us leaving ourselves open for liability for that. The other thing that uh, other industries may not have is these things called medical devices. I think there's some... We need to tighten those up. I'm sure you've you've heard the the stories now, whether or not it's urban legend or not, about people being able to hack pacemakers and those type of things. But I think those are things we need to consider, specifically related to infusion pumps and all those things that we haven't taken into consideration that we really truly need to make sure that they're unhackable, because if they can be hacked, they very well could produce you know quite a bit of harm. The other thing is related to really looking at what how the cyber insurance is put together and how it's covered particularly in healthcare entities and you know I already mentioned you know kind of the safe harbor related to the information sharing but the other thing is trying to work with the industry to make sure we have some kind of responsible international cyber engagement we're hearing a lot of the hacks that are coming from overseas and which could be our friends or our enemies or whoever, but they're hacking into our healthcare systems at a increased rate and right now we're not sure exactly for what reasons, but I think it's something that we really need to take a look at. So now as we said, the healthcare sector has been a huge target for hacker attacks, especially this year. And some of these breaches related to the hacking attacks have taken over a year or more to detect at some of the large healthcare sector organizations that have had these incidents. And some of these larger organizations have more resources to invest in information security. Why do you think it's taking so long for some of these attacks to be detected? And what does this say for smaller organizations that don't have the sorts of resources that some of these larger organizations have? I'm not sure that healthcare sector is any different as far as making a time frame as determining the hacks. I mean, I remember sitting in listening to a presentation by Teresa Payton. She was uh, the first female CIO of the White House when President Bush was there. And she mentioned that we're doing better about finding the threats that are sitting there already. 
and it sh- I think she said we're down from 270 days to 250 days. And she said that's really nothing to be proud of, but the fact is we are getting better at identifying, you know, the threats that are there. Uh, I remember years ago, back in the 70s, and that kind of tells you how long I've been, you know, messing with uh, in computer computer science, is, is reading a, an article in Wired magazine, not the current one, but the original one, which basically was a geek magazine, and it talked about how hackers could actually, they called them eggs, they would put an egg into a system and it would just sit there and then it would hatch and then it would you know, just kind of snoop around a little bit and it would find something and it, then it would eventually, it would sit there quietly and gather information and then it would phone home. And I think that, that we're seeing that those kinds of threats that are occurring quite a bit where the code's just sitting there watching, it's gathering information, and if you're not looking for those kinds of very specific things, then you may not find them. The other things, if you look at some of the hacks in Target and Home Depot and some of the other ones, those were found when... And the same thing with Anthem, when large payloads of data was were being taken out of the databases and, and sent across, they were identified by that. But I don't really think healthcare is any different as far as how long it takes to identify those. I think that healthcare is like everything else, is that you know we're a group of trusting individuals and healthcare information is something that if when you're taking care of patients, it's not really something that you the information is not something that you really think about protecting a lot. I mean, I, I know personally when I go in, if I have to hit the emergency room, I don't care who knows what about me. I just want to get fixed. And so I think that's part of the education process that, that we need to go through. Now, and you mentioned that, you know, the smaller organizations, and I think that's always been, you know, I, I spent many, many years as the CIO of a community hospital of 300 beds, and one of the things we struggle with is, you know, how many resources can we put towards security with the fact that we have limited budget and we have limited expertise uh, in that area. And one of the things that you know, I, I work with, you know, groups of folks are coming together, trying to consolidate our knowledge base and share information with each other and just kind of work together in groups. Uh, so we can learn from each other and kind of have that collective knowledge. But the other thing is, is that it's kind of like Y2K. If nothing's happening, do I need to spend any money on it? And with security, we all know that we need to spend some money on it so we make sure that nothing happens. So there is a concern for the smaller organizations. But I think in talking to a lot of the CIOs and IT directors of those smaller organizations, it's not that they're unaware just that they have many other things to distract them from what they need to be doing on a daily basis. But they're, I believe they're getting up to speed and they're working on the programs in order to make this much, much better. And some of the things that the federal government, the, the tools that they're putting out in creating resources they, that they can use uh, at their level is also a big help. So going back to some of the cyber attacks that we've been seeing in the healthcare sector this year, what are the main lessons that you think are emerging from those attacks that the healthcare sector can learn from? Well, I think that we're learning that uh, even though that we may have programs in place, nothing truly is secure. I was talking to some folks that used to work in the banking industry last week, and I was absolutely amazed at uh the the number of audits uh, from a ver- variety of places 
that they had in the banking industry. And the other thing that was really interesting that I didn't realize is that there was a couple of the audits, if they failed, then they shut the bank down. And so that meant that if they didn't didn't have all the security in place and didn't pass the security audits, they couldn't function as a business. Now, if you told that to a hospital, I can guarantee you that there would be a, a much higher priority placed upon security in that business, just like in banking. So I think there's some other industries that have done a really good job of kind of hiding the keys to the kingdom and securing the keys to the kingdom we can learn from. But I also believe that there's a balance that we in healthcare that we have to get to. Uh, it's all about accessing the information, but making sure that it's, it's secured. But I think that we need to continue to be good students of, of what's going on in the industry. We need to stay on our toes. We need to be informed, and we need to look for those opportunities to share the information and find those trusted resources like yours and others that are on the market out there that we can get good, valuable, and trusted information from about things we need to be watching for. Now, you mentioned that in the banking industry, when an audit doesn't do well, you can shut the bank down, and you, know, you can't really do that in the healthcare sector. Do you think that the federal government needs to step up enforcement of HIPAA? to sort of put that fear into hospitals and healthcare providers that if you're not doing at least the HIPAA requirements that you'll be fined or face other penalties? Do you think that would do much of a difference or not? That's already there in place. Are they doing enough audits? I don't know. I don't have a good view of what that, the number percentage of organizations that are actually getting the HIPAA audits. I know it's an expensive thing for the government to do, but I also believe that HIPAA, a lot of people look at that as a ceiling. This is what I need to do to make sure that we keep our organization safe. And I've always been one that believes that's the floor. That's the very minimum you need to do in order to dot that I for HIPAA and also it's required for many for you. But, you know, from what I call the prudent practices, there's much, much many more things that we need to do in order to make sure that someone from outside or inside the organization is not going to do something that they wouldn't otherwise do. I mean, it's kind of like while we have locked doors, uh, we keep honest people honest because people that want in, they're going to get in. It's just like the hackers. They're going to take their time and they're going to use their tools and they're going to, they're going to get in where they want to get in. And what we have to do is just make it we have to harden the doors to make sure that it's made far more difficult for them to blow through them. But I believe that the threat of the HIPAA audit is one thing, and the fact that the the audits that have been done that where the organizations have been fined, it, those are well publicized, and I think that they have kind of an immediate impact upon the senior leadership of the organization and the board. But I think that uh, we probably need to have a little bit more exposure to senior leadership in, in the boards of healthcare organizations, and they need to understand what the, the true liability is. I mean, it's kind of like if nothing's happening, then, you know, why do we need to worry about it? Well, that's the very thing. You know, I go back to Y2K. We spent quite a bit of time at our organization making sure that nothing happened. We we spent some money. We didn't spend a lot of money, but we did spend some money to put some things in place and to do some audits and to ensure that everything was fine. And then the day after, I was talking to the CEO, and he said, Chuck, nothing happened. We spent all this prep time and all this money, and nothing happened. And I looked at it and I said, exactly. We got the outcome exactly what we had planned for. 
And I think that's the same thing with security. What you want to do, the outcome you want to get is no event. And so the, the balance is, is how much time, effort, and energy, and money do you put into something to make sure that no event happens? you got to have the magic eight ball on that. But I think that that's something that we need to do as an industry. And, you know, just because if I'm in southwest Indiana, what I need to do for my security may be a little bit different than if I'm in downtown New York City or downtown Chicago because the threats are going to be a little bit different. And so we kind of go through that threat posture and that analysis to see exactly what it is I need to do. Now, being that the healthcare sector has been a bigger target for hackers, at least this year, are there any security measures or security technologies that you think are being underutilized by the healthcare sector that the healthcare sector really needs to ramp up on? Well, I don't know. If if you look at the most wired studies that just came out in the survey, most of the most wired hospitals were doing the things like single sign-on, intrusion detection, the risk assessments, and those type things. So I think that without a really deep analysis of all the organizations, I'm not aware of anything that's you know truly being underutilized at this point in time. The one thing that we need to understand is security is not, you know, you don't buy one appliance, you don't do one thing. Threat landscapes are varied, uh, and so you have to put multiple locks in the door to make sure the door stays locked. Uh, just because they get through the combo lock doesn't mean they're going to get through the key or the deadbolt or whatever else you have in place, you know, to use all those metaphors. But it's a, a multi-factor process that we have to take a look at uh, and have those tools. Like I said, what works well for one organization may not work well for another. The thing about it is the best people in security are the ones that have, the, have had experience in, in hacking because they think like the folks that are wanting to break into your systems. I mean, that some of the best security experts I've ever run into, particularly for you know, businesses or homes and that kind of stuff, people who used to burglarize those very places because they can think like uh, the folks that are going to break in and so they know where the weaknesses are. They know that you need to have your bushes trimmed in the front and this type of deadbolt will work where that one won't and you need to have steel doors for these kinds of hinges and, and those type of things. And so those are the things that we need to make sure that we're evaluating. And you know that means we need probably to go to outside expertise because not everybody can afford the highly skilled and highly trained uh, individuals. I mean, if you look out at some of the most sought-after skill sets right now in these days and times, it's in the security sector. And you need to make really sure that the folks that you're bringing on board, uh, what their credentials are, how well they're trained, what their experience is, because, you know, you don't want a snake oil salesman in there putting you at risk. Chuck, any predictions about what the top security and privacy challenge will be for the healthcare sector as we look into 2016? I think that we can see through the news and what's being put in the press through, you know, like I said, your organization and the, the content you all put out that our threat continues to grow. I mean, who would have thought that uh, we've had, uh, you know, several large insurance companies with everything that, you know, you would think that they would have all the the latest and greatest tools and stuff up to date that would prevent those kinds of, of breaches. And I think it shows that we're, we're all vulnerable. And so we just need to stay diligent and continue to watch the, the, the threat environment. 
Yeah, and the other thing I mentioned previously with the fact of the lack of these dedicated professional resources and the fact that there are limited staff that can address these type of things because it, it takes a lot of time to look at logs. You know, there's so many of the tools that you can put in place, but there's also time and energy and human resources that need to be put in front of this to make sure that the wheels don't run off the wagon. Finally, Chuck, are there any new programs or initiatives that we should be watching for from CHIME next year when it comes to privacy and security-related issues? A couple of things that we've already done. We've started our lead forums that are specifically around uh, cybersecurity. The folks that we have in Washington, D.C. are working with the legislators and the regulators on things that are healthcare-specific around cybersecurity. And I think that we're the industry is, is still learning about what all that we need to consider and do because, you know, I mentioned medical devices. You know, the FDA is looking at those. And there are other components of this. You know, a lot of healthcare is electronic, and so we, we need to take that in consideration. You know, the other thing that Chime has done is we've created a group called AHIS heard from our CIO members that there was a couple of resource and education vacuums out there around things like we do and some of the educational offering that CHIME provides for healthcare CIOs is that there wasn't really anything like that for security professionals or people in organizations that security was part of their job and not their whole job. And so what we've done is we've created this separate organization under the umbrella of CHIME that will provide the level of education services for that group and also let like people get together. And that's one of the things that I've always liked about, about CHIME since its beginning in 1992 is when I come to a meeting, I know the folks in the room with me. We have a common language and we think alike and we know each other's pains and suffering related to information technology and its application in healthcare. The same thing needs to happen for those folks who are focused on the security landscape. They need to have a group of trusted resources they can pick up in the phone and call. There's got to be a way that they can share information. So we've created that organization structure so they can do that. And it's it's actually picked up really, really well. And we've had some really great education events for them. And I think it's only been in, in place for about a year and it's really taken off. I've been speaking to Charles Christian of Chime. I'm Marian Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.